So you know that um, some people say that the largest religious movement in America in the 20th century, meaning the most, the movement that has possibly had the most reach, that is unique and new, potentially, is of course the recovery programs, 12 Steps, very powerful, the wisdom that they impart, the community that they generate. And so in gyms and basements around the country, shuls and churches, there's one prayer that is uttered at those meetings that has become part of our collective consciousness to a degree. You all know it, right? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I feel every week in my rabbinate, and maybe you feel this way also in your lives, that I'm always toggling between knowing what it is that I can change, accepting the things that I can't, and looking deeply for the wisdom to know the difference. I was teaching acceptance of a kind for the last four weeks. On Thursday mornings, what for me is quite early at 7 o'clock in the morning, not with children, but in general, it's early for a night owl like me. On my bicycle, riding down a completely quiet and still Broadway. Hurling myself towards an institution which has a college program for mostly Orthodox, but not all Orthodox students. And there, in that hall of learning, of text, every table had books piled on it and piled on it in that cerebral, mental, full place. I was teaching them to be, to do nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. And that's how it began. Sit there for three minutes and do nothing. Watch your mind, watch your heart, watch your body, watch as The body, the heart, the mind does what it does, produce stories and feelings and sensations, and see how long it takes before you get caught in it. Before you know it, you're in next week's grocery list or in the BA that you never finished or the PhD that you will one day in the book and and coming back to the present moment. They were able to witness firsthand how difficult it is to accept to witness, to be in testimony to the present moment. Right? They get it. I asked them after three minutes, was it hard? And all of them unanimously said, impossible. And over the course of four weeks, we worked towards 15 minutes. And they said, oh, we want more. Acceptance is what follows from the recognition of that which can't be changed. No matter how sophisticated our minds know how to, how many degrees on the wall, we must accept to some degree that this thing called the mind, this thing called the body and the heart, has a mind and a will all of its own. Acceptance is the sine qua non of what spiritual practice to some degree teaches. Acceptance, as opposed to resignation, which in our modern day, we confuse, is the recognition that we can't control our lives. 
So much of our life is given. And we have no control. So much of that which we have ingested, imbibed, have been taught, so much of what goes on in our day-to-day realities in us and outside of us is beyond our control. And acceptance is that humble attitude, that humble posture, that humble positioning of ourselves vis-a-vis the real and accepting it for what it is. To deny what is real is to be in a fight. And some might say is the very definition of insanity. So we have that acceptance of the things I can't control. This acceptance Mark Nepo calls the freedom of acceptance. He writes, in our fear, it appears that pain is everywhere. When we find the courage to accept the fact of a particular pain, he's talking about the body, it often becomes clear that like an unexpected aggressor, our pain is one agitated stroke in a larger stretch of stillness that is the rest of our life. And that that acceptance makes possible the capacity to summon all that is not pain to meet what is in pain. In accepting that we have no control over the stream of life, we can more easily see the gestures we do have control of, what the sages refer to as our chance to steer in the stream. Don't you love that? Everybody get that? When we're fighting the stream of life, When we're fighting the aggressor, Nepo has this image of someone coming at you in a martial art class and everything in you is like this. And in that fear, we lose perspective. And ironically, he writes that it's when we have the capacity to accept the full gestalt of what is happening, we more clearly perceive the space around the aggressor's angle of aggression. We see all that is not aggressive, all that is not aiming at us. Or as he says very beautifully, even if we can't control the stream, we can learn to steer. Even if we can't control the stream, we can learn to steer. Acceptance births change in a way. And so that second half of the prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change and the courage to change what I can, perhaps the wisdom emerges from the acceptance. That's what I want to say tonight. Maybe the wisdom to discern between what can't be changed and what can be changed is part of the way that we walk into a situation that calls upon us to change it. In this week's Torah portion, Another group of individuals who sought to change legislation. Another group of courageous women who sought to be included in rights that had been given to half, but not the entire nation. A group of women who had the courage to make a claim on their inheritance. I want to argue tonight that they they serve as a model of this delicate dance between what has to be accepted in order to be sane and what must not be accepted in order for growth to take place. Benot Slavchad, the daughter of a man named Slavchad, 
come to Moses and say, Avinu meis, uvanim lo hayulo. Our father died, and he didn't have any sons in which to inherit land in the land of Israel. Lama yigara shem avinu. Why should our father's name now be erased? Give us the daughters. Let us have an inheritance. And as they approach Moshe, they do three things. And I want you to listen carefully here to the three things that they do. Beginning of chapter 27 of the book of Numbers, Vatikravna Benoslovchad. The daughters of Slovchad came close. Beginning of verse 2, Vata'amodna lifnei Moshe, and they stood before Moses. And then verse 3, they say, Lemor, they say their peace. Three moments. And they act as a contrast, and this is for further study, to the beginning of the Parsha where there's another kind of leadership. A man named Pinchas who's a vigilante, who takes the law into his own hands, and violently ruptures the social fabric. And although he's rewarded in the Torah, he's not rewarded amongst the rabbis and in our tradition. And Benot Tzolfchad, the daughters of Tzolfchad, in the aftermath of that narrative, the narrative of violence and vigilantism and taking the law into their own hands, they have the first moment. Here's Moshe, and they say, they come close. Vatikravna Benot Tzolfchad. Their father's name, the Zohar says, Tzlovchad is two Hebrew words. Tzel, pachad. The shadow of fear. If we were to read this playfully, we'd say, or as Rabbi Jill Hammer would lovingly say, if we were in this dream and we were interpreting it, Sigmund Freud was interpreting the dream, the daughters of the shadow of fear come close. They don't know if they can accept this or change it, but they come close. They investigate they enter with a conversation. Vata'amodna, and they stand firm in their truth. They stand at the tent of meeting. They stand in relationship to the tradition. They stand, as the rabbis say, with all of the wisdom that they had accrued. They came with arguments to argue with Moses. How could it be? Says the Midrash. They were prepared and they spoke clearly, powerfully, without fear. The daughters of the father of fear speak and they bring it. They bring it in truth, with integrity, with power, with passion. And they say it, they more. They don't mince words. They make a claim. It wouldn't be hard for us to draw a parallel between this and Edith Windsor and all of those who have come before in the fight for equal rights. It wouldn't be difficult for us to see in this Shabbos' story the story of every individual or group of individuals who wanted to make a change. Some have acted violently. There have been revolutions. The Torah doesn't see that as the best way. This is a more efficient way, a deeper way, a more lasting way. Vatikravna vataamodna Lemur, they came close, they stood strong, and they spoke their truth. They said, now is the moment. And I guarantee you, or I'm suggesting it, but I think that it's a little bit true, that in that coming close, that first moment, there was an acceptance of reality as it was. 
There was a clear seeing of what was possible. There was a paradoxical straining. They weren't going to rip everything apart. They were going to walk in and see what's here. What needs acceptance and what needs to change? Where do I have control? Where don't I have control? This entire week, I struggled with this. You go to school for 10 years to be a rabbi. You study 25 years. And you know how much that's worth when you're in a hospital sitting with someone whose son has just had a horrible accident. God, grant me the serenity, the change, the things that I can change, the courage to change them, but grant me the serenity to accept what I can't. The only thing I could offer was presence and abiding in the mystery of I have no idea. On the doorway of the sacred, we enter through the password of mystery, of silence, I don't know. They came to investigate, is this an instance where silence is golden, where presence is required, or is it we will make a stand, we will take a stand. Let's change this. It isn't the way it should be. And each and every one of you, each and every one of us, lives between those two poles every day of our lives. What is required? Is it being or doing? Staying or going? What is needed? And how do I know? Chachamim hayu benoslovchad. Chachmaniot. Says the Midrash, they were wisdom masters. The daughters of the shadow of fear knew a thing or two about how to come close to touch those things that are scary. They knew a thing or two about what it was to investigate deeply how much was required to effectuate change and how little was required in order not to create chaos. They are the change masters of the Torah, the daughters of Slovchad, the harbingers of every important social upheaval that has ever lasted longer than a few minutes in time in history. It works for each of us too. The advice that the Torah gives us and the advice that our wisdom masters teach us is that if we humbly open ourselves to not know, but pray for that wisdom, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I can't change. Give me that courage that is required to make change when it is possible. To do it with compassion, perseverance, strength, integrity. And grant me that chokhmah, that deep intelligence that knows which situation is presenting itself to me. I hope that on those Thursday mornings in the last month, some of those college students on their way back to their philosophy and psychology degrees, their economic classes, will have its sense in those 15 minutes come up against the humility required to be a full human being. And that in no way hopefully diminished their own sense of capacity, the potency of what they can accomplish in this world. 
May the Holy One of Blessing, who blessed our ancestors, the daughters of the shadow of fear, who was available this week in our country to push us towards a more evolved and more equal world. May that one give each and every one of us the wisdom, the intelligence to know when to let go and when to push forward, when to soften the reins and when to, and when to hold them tight and push forward. May God grant us that wisdom and let us say amen. Amen.